Welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast, a resource created by Lighthouse Family Retreat to strengthen families that are living through childhood cancer. You will hear stories from families, educational information on childhood cancer, and most importantly, we will encourage your family during this journey. I'm Chris Woodruff, and I'm here with Christy Richards. As we continue through Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, our guest today is Anna Day. Yeah, that rhymed, and that was on purpose. Um, So, hey, we are really wanted to share Anna's story this month specifically. You guys are in for a real treat. Anna is a great friend of Lighthouse and has been on several retreats, uh, both as a retreat family and also as a volunteer. Anna's a student and an advocate of childhood cancer, and an important part of her story is that she is an amazing big sister to twins one of whom has been fighting cancer for almost nine years. And so Anna is going to share her story from a sibling perspective, as well as she's going to tell us a little bit about how she decided to really make a difference and an impact uh, on childhood cancer and why she is so passionate about this cause. Anna, why don't you um, tell everybody, because we know a little bit about you, but not everybody listening does, tell us a little bit about who you are, uh, your family, and then Give us a little bit of insight into your story on where did childhood cancer start in your story? Okay. Uh, Well, my parents are Tim and Leslie, and they had me, and I'm Anna. Um, And when I was about like six years old, I was like an only child for like nine years. And when I was about six years old, I started praying and asking God for two little siblings. And... A little bit after that, we found out that my mom was having twins. (laughs) And so um, we ended up having two little girls. Their names are Isabella and Jacqueline, and they're about nine years younger than me. And they're amazing. Um, And and then when, um, let's see, I was nine years old. And um, whenever my my dad took Isabella and Jacqueline to their uh, nine-month, a checkup at the doctor and yep. uh, when the doctor went to pick up Isabella out of her stro- uh, stroller he felt like a mass in her abdomen and so he ended up sending my parents to the hospital the next day to get it all checked out to see what was going on and it turns out that she uh, had cancer and so after a few more tests they were able to like diagnose her in the in May of 2012 and uh, she ended up having stage four neuroblastoma cancer. Goodness. And so that was kind of the start of our uh, cancer journey. Yeah. So she was nine months old and you were nine years old. Yes. Right. And, uh, and so how long do you remember uh, with neuroblastoma? How long was, was treatment for her? How long were you guys in, in the middle of treatment? Um, so we went through chemotherapy for 12 rounds. Um, I don't remember like how long it was about like nine months. Um, but we went through 12 rounds of chemo and, uh, it was a tumor in her abdomen and it didn't really shrink a lot. Um, it didn't really help. So we ended up actually going through kind of like a trial treatment, uh, with Accutane, which is like an acne medicine, and it ended up hurting her more than it helped her. So we ended up stopping that. And so we've been sitting for a little while, just like nothing we can really do. Um, but we had, she had a surgery in November of 2017, and they were able to remove uh, a majority of her tumor, which is awesome. 
And so she, um, right now we're just kind of sitting and the rest of the tumor that she has left, it's not able to really be removed. So yeah. just talk to me real quick about like, you're nine years old when you learn this and when you're nine, you're pretty smart kid, right? You know, you, you have an idea and you've heard of cancer before. Um, how did, how did you process that as a nine-year-old? What, what went through your head? What did you understand about what was going on? Well, from like before the point where we found out Isabella had cancer, every time I had heard about cancer was hearing people dying from it. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of what I saw was like, Isabella is going to die. And that was really hard. Um, but once we kind of, we did almost lose her several times, but, um, but that was kind of how I saw it a lot of the time. But um, once I was able, my parents have been amazing with just kind of keeping me in the loop. Like they haven't given me like all of the details of everything, but they've, I really appreciate like how much they've kind of just been honest with me and very upfront about what's going on because um, I think that helped me cope with a lot of things, just knowing what was going on and what exactly was going to happen. Um, but once they, like I started learning more about it, I knew that not everybody dies from cancer. And so I was able to feel better about that. Um, but one of the ways that I was able to cope the most was just, I was raised in church. My family's like, we're all Christians and, uh, our faith in God really is what brought us through more than anything. So Anna, I'm a, I'm a big sister of with two younger sisters also. So I know that feeling of being a big sister and what that's like. Um, so the almost the whole time you've been a big sister, this has been part of your story. So what has that been like um, as you're kind of, you know, you're protective of, your sis, of both your sisters. So what, how has that affected your relationship with them? And what kind of challenges come with that being part of being a big sister? Well, it's kind of just a weird dynamic between me and each of my sisters. Like it's a different feeling of protectiveness for both of them. Uh, like with Isabella, I feel protected, like protective of her because like people would tease me about her and that was a big struggle and I would be really defensive about her um, and like what people said about her and everything like that. So I was real defensive of her like that. And I also just like wanted to help take care of her in the hospital when she was going through treatments and surgeries. Like I wanted to be there for her and be as much of a part of her growing up in the hospital. Like she spent a lot of her time in the hospital. So I wanted to be there for her as much as possible. Um, and then with Jacqueline, like she and I were usually the ones kind of being left with family, friends, and, like, grandparents and stuff while my sis, like, while Isabella and my parents were off doing surgeries and treatments and stuff when we couldn't be there all the time. And so me and Jacqueline have this bond where it's just, like, I kind of just take care of her. And I don't want to say I parented her because my parents have done an amazing job of, like, balancing between, like, Isabella and me and Jacqueline. But it's still very much of a protective feeling of needing to make sure that she's okay and like tending to her needs whenever my mom and dad and Isabella weren't there with us. Yeah, it sounds like you um, you, you kind of made it a team effort, right? I mean, and I know your parents. Your parents are amazing and wonderful, and they they have they've done a great job with you guys. But it's hard even when you're great parents, right? Because you're paying so much attention to that child that's on treatment. It's hard still to balance. And it sounds like you just, you, uh, you really kind of noticed that and you stepped up and you said, Hey, we're in this together and I'm going to help where I, where I can. 
Uh, so um, it kind of forced you to maybe grow up a little bit sooner in some areas. Right. Yes. I, I ended up growing up a lot faster than a lot of my peers and a lot of my friends. And that was another big struggle just because it's one of those things where you don't want them to understand because the only way they would understand is if they're going through it. And we wouldn't wish this on anybody. But at the same time, like you wish you could have like your inner circle, like people knowing how you feel so that you're able to relate to them. And that was just a big struggle. But, um, but even though like our friends and family don't completely understand, they've just been an amazing support system for us. So. Anna, one of the reasons you were, I'll, be, I'll admit you were at the top of our guest request list um, because you're unique in that for your age, um, you've, this has really shaped, I think, who you want to be when you grow up, which you're pretty much halfway there. And you've also really paid it forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you haven't just been a great big sister, but you've been a great advocate for childhood cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking a lot about that this month, um, being Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Tell us about, um, I was loving to hear the story of your bake sale. Like, how did, how did you decide first that that was something that was on your heart to do, not just take care of your family, but go out there and help others? What was involved in that decision? Yeah, so um, whenever we first kind of started getting into kind of the groove of like our cancer world and kind of once we kind of got settled and kind of used to the routine of treatment and everything, uh, me and my mom started doing a lot of research about just like childhood cancer research uh, statistics and everything. And I was just absolutely disgusted at how little funding goes towards childhood cancer research. Like there are over 26 different types of childhood cancer and only 4% of all national funding goes towards all of those types of cancer. And it, it just like makes me so mad thinking about it uh, because like these kids, they are like, they're the future and we're not doing what we need to like, we're not doing what we need to be doing to help protect and help like cure the kids that need to live to help push that future on, you know? And so it's, it gets me really upset thinking about it, but, um, I actually kind of got the idea from Alex's lemonade stand, that same sort of idea, but I really love to bake with my mom. And so, um, I was, me and her just started thinking about like what we could do to start raising money and help get some money towards childhood cancer research. And so we really, um, we started like calling different places and asking like if we could hold a bake sale outside of their establishment. Uh, We called several like local businesses and they all said no. And we ended up calling a Chick-fil-A in Waxahachie, um, which at the time was like 20 minutes from where we lived. And we asked them if we could hold a bake sale outside their restaurant. And they said, oh, well, no, we don't really do that. And we were like, oh, okay. And um, they were like, well, what's it for? And so we kind of just, just like told them our story about Isabella and wanting to raise money for childhood cancer research. And uh, the lady we were talking to, she was like, okay, well, let me call you back. And so she called us back later and was like, yeah, you can, you can come hold the bake sale. And so um, we ended up holding that bake sale, I believe in 2015. And um, 
I had set a goal to raise a thousand dollars. That was kind of what I wanted to yeah. push towards. And we ended up raising two thousand dollars. Wow. First one. Yeah. It was it was really exciting. Um, and so we ended up holding it the next year. Um, and I had set a goal to double that and we ended up uh tripling it. We ended up getting like eight thousand dollars. Wow. Um, amazing. Then the next year we set another goal to get 10,000 and we got over $12,000. We, it was so exciting. Um, and then for the next year we set a goal to just become like an official nonprofit. And so, um, we were able to become like an official nonprofit the April before the bake sale. We always hold the bake sales in September. Yeah. Um, and so we were able to become an official nonprofit and that year, we raised about $18,000. Wow, Anna, that's amazing. See, that's the power of a story. That's right. Last year was our second bake sale as a nonprofit, and we got, uh, we ended up raising $22,000. In total, it's a little over $60,000, so. Anna, that is amazing. And it's all because you didn't take no for an answer, and we always say they have power in stories, and you just telling your story made all the difference. Yeah, way it's to be amazing. persistent. Way to be persistent. And I um I mean there I know there's folks that are listening and and they've um they've thought about gosh, I wonder what I could do. And uh and they've probably thought to themselves and they're like, "No, nah, I don't know if I can make that happen." You absolutely can. Look at Anna Day. This is amazing. You guys, you've raised over $60,000 over the last several years all for research for kids um going through cancer and for different treatments. So, um if you're out there wondering if you can do it, yes you can. Um, and Anna, you're such a great example. Well done. That's incredible. So proud of you. That's amazing. Thank you. So what's the next goal? Um, well, we've kind of stopped setting goals. Now we're just trying to reach out like different, like kind of get more sponsors and businesses to partner with our nonprofit. And so we're still kind of reaching out to several people trying to figure out what that would all look like. Um, we're trying to start doing like golf tournaments. Uh, we're reaching out to another Chick-fil-A that started uh, nearby recently, and so we're trying to partner with them, too. And so now, like, our biggest goal is just trying to start spreading and reaching further and further out. So oh, That's so cool. Well, hey, so if there's another um, another teenager, or even adult for that matter, let's say they're listening right now, and uh, and and they're not quite sure what to do, what a good next step is. What advice would you give them having now done a bake sale for, you know, almost five, six years and now turning it into a nonprofit? What would you share with them? What encouragement would you give to get them to get out and and go do something, especially this month being Childhood Cancer Awareness Month? I think one of the biggest ways since social media is so prominent nowadays, I think do your research. That's really important to make sure you're giving like the correct facts, but do research and just start spreading the word because the first step towards more money for research is raising awareness for the lack of funding. And so it's really important to make sure you're getting the correct information and spreading that to everybody who will listen. And then just like, as long as you're passionate about it, just stick with it. And, um, and if you're really passionate about it, and if you have the right resources and just working with people who can help you, um, I wouldn't be able to do it without like my mom and the rest of my Anna's Bake Sale Foundation team. Um, I wouldn't be able to do it without them, but it's, 
it's um, really encouraging to have a team helping you out and just making sure you're spreading awareness. That's really important. That's so important. And, uh, and everybody needs to hear that. We were just talking about it on the previous episode as well. And, and that's a consistent theme this month is just the, the value and importance of just awareness. Yes, funding is so important as well. But the first step, I love how you put it, the first step is awareness. You know, we've got to raise awareness. Uh, and if everybody knows what's really going on, uh, then that will help initiate some action. So um, great job leading the, the foundation and getting it kicked off and, and, and starting a 501c3. That's just, that's really cool. So. I mean, how does it feel to know that there's going to be research that you helped fund that's going to save, literally save somebody's life? It's, it's, feels so good. We, we love, like we go to the different organizations that we end up donating. We do research over like what we want to help fund. And so we get to go and like meet those people and like present the money to them. And just like, it's just like fills me with joy every time I get to see like their faces, whenever they see like how much money we're donating or whenever they find out that we're wanting to donate to them. Like, it's just so, so exciting and so exhilarating. I love it. You know, Christy mentioned a, a few minutes ago that um, that this is kind of uh, really shaping your future, the story that you have of, you know, when things really changed for you when you were nine and, and the girls were nine months. What is What does the future look like for you? Because you've already started thinking about what you want to do one day. Yes, I have. Um, so my plan is to go to school to become a child life specialist. Um, and for people who don't know what that is, um, those are kind of like social workers, but for kids at like children's hospitals and child life specialists, basically they run the playrooms, they bring toys and prizes, and they're really just there to encourage the kids. And another thing that they do is they kind of help explain like the treatments that the kids will be going through in ways that the kids can understand um, and child life specialists have really just ministered to my life because when, um, when Isabella was going through treatment, she was too young to really understand what all was going on. And so the child life specialist really like worked with me and I like have this memory of just getting to like access a port on a doll. Like they taught me like how to access ports and it was so cool. And like, I, I don't think I would really completely feel comfortable with everything that went on with my sister if child life specialists hadn't stepped in and kind of helped me understand. I have no doubt that if that's your plan, that is what you're going to do. Yeah. yeah. Clearly, when you set a goal, you overachieve yes. it. So I think that you're totally going to make that happen. And I think you will be an amazing child life specialist. So that's so cool that you're on that path. You kind of already have been a little bit yeah. just without like all the education and that's stuff. Right. I mean, you've been walking your sister through this and then your other sister as a sibling through this. So you kind of have all the work experience down already. Yeah. And um, I'm going to ask you a question that I don't, I don't think we prepared you for, but I think you'll be able to answer it. Great. Um, so there's parents out there um, that are going through, through childhood cancer and they've got um, not only a child on treatment, but they have they have other kids, so the siblings, right? And uh, and they're really concerned about how well they can parent uh, those siblings uh, because it's a tough season. So as a sibling that was going through this, and it's still relatively recent uh, for you, um, 
what can you share for those parents that might be listening that might help them? Like what would have been helpful or what was helpful? Maybe some things that your parents did that still helped you to feel included and, um, and that, you know, you were known through the process and, and, uh, and that helped you get through it. What, what would you share with them? Um, that is a very good question. Um, I think that communication was something that really, really helped me personally. Um, just being able to know what was going to happen. I'm very much of a planner and I need to kind of know what's going to come. Um, and that just really helped me. I think that it's really important to just communicate. I know that doesn't really always work for everybody, but something that, that, that was something that really helped me was just uh, knowing what was going to come um, and being able to prepare for that. Um, whenever, so my sister went to New York for a surgery in November. And so we like set out a plan beforehand to like set up like me being able to go to my school counselor's office when I needed to. Uh, all of my teachers were well aware. So like, and, um, and like my friends knew ahead of time and I knew where I'd be staying. I knew how long I'd be staying there, um, who I'd be staying with. And so like all of that, just being able to plan and like prepare myself beforehand, that was something that really, really helped me. Um, another thing that is always helpful is just being able to find community with other cancer siblings because mm -hmm. nobody knows what we go through except for other cancer siblings. And so, um, it's always like really good to get to meet like cancer siblings, especially our own age. There aren't very many like places that I've been to or like events that I've gone to that have had other teenage siblings that have gone through what I have. And so it's always really encouraging to get to find other cancer siblings and get to kind of bond with them over our similarities of situations. You know, the communication part is really good advice because I think as a parent, and I was this way, you have an instinct to protect and so to not talk about it, you know, like because you don't want to scare your kids or you don't want to say too much or say it wrong. So that's really good advice because I've heard that from other siblings that they appreciated knowing versus the not knowing. And I think sometimes our instinct is the opposite as parents. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you another question, and this one might be a little bit tougher and, uh, and so, and I know your parents, I think are like sitting behind the computer. <laughs> no um, pressure that's just here. my guess. And so I want you to know you're not throwing them under the bus, right? Because no, your parents aren't perfect. They did the best that they could. Right. But in this season, um, of being a sibling, is there anything, and this will help other parents, right? That are listening. Is there anything that you wish would have been different as a sibling? either in maybe something your parents could have done. Again, that's no fault of theirs because they were in the middle of treatment and trying to juggle so many different balls in the air. But is there anything that you just wish would have been different in how the, the season went for you as a sibling? Um, I think that something that was especially hard for me was just um, like not being able to be with my parents all the time and again like you said like that is not their fault at all because not at all um, 
if you like when you really look at it they needed to be with Isabella at those treatments they couldn't leave her alone and so I'm not holding that against them or anything but um, I think something that would always help me um, is just being able to spend like more time with them or getting to spend more time being at the hospital up with them um, but they they did do a really good job of like like making like setting aside purposeful time for just me and just Jacqueline and so they did a really good job of that but there's always times where I, where I would kind of wish that I could be with my parents instead. Yeah, but I think that's so. Thank you for sharing that because, and that, and I think that's so important for other parents to hear because there's other parents like your parents that that are being intentional, but that helps them to know that if they can find opportunities just to do a little bit more when they find those gaps, even though they're really tired and exhausted, that that little bit will help. So thank you for sharing that because your parents, I do know, they've done a great job really trying to juggle all those balls. Um, but it's still hard, right? It's still hard and, and not everything was going to be perfect. So thanks for being really um, honest and transparent and sharing that because I think that helps some parents that are listening. I know your parents are super proud of you. And I especially love how fired up you get when you're talking about your sister and really about all these kids and that you've actually done something about it. That's just really, really amazing. Hey, we so appreciate everybody that's listening today. And you all need to check out annasbakesalefoundation.org and see for yourself what Anna has been able to do. And if y'all know somebody who would benefit from listening to our podcast, please share. Um, We would love to reach more families. And we can do that if you would help us out by sharing and rating and reviewing our podcast. Thanks so much. We really appreciate all of you. And we'll see you later on the next episode.